a powerful way to connect to and honor our unconditional self-worth as Black people is to take good care of ourselves. So often as Black people, we push ourselves to the limit because we feel we have no other choice. Welcome to the Unconditionally Worthy Podcast. In this podcast, I will guide you on your journey to connect with the true source of your self-worth. Each week, we'll discuss barriers to unconditional self-worth, the connection between self-worth and relationships, self-worth practices you can apply to your life, and how to use self-worth as a foundation for living courageously. I'm your host, Dr. Adia Gooden, a licensed clinical psychologist, dance enthusiast, and a dark chocolate lover who believes deeply that you are worthy unconditionally. Hello, and welcome back to the Unconditionally Worthy podcast. We are in Black History Month in the United States, and so I wanted to do an episode in honor of Black History Month. At the college I went to, we used to call Black History Month Black Liberation Month, and I really liked the sound of it the sound of focusing not on the history of Black people in the United States and all of the amazing contributions Black Americans have made to this country, but also on liberation for Black people. How do we continue to get free? And so I feel that this podcast episode is sort of a combination of talking about Black history and also Black liberation. So you'll want to tune in and stay until the end to hear about the connections between Black history, self-worth, and how we can all take great care of ourselves, um, which I believe is a radical act, especially for Black people. So let's dive in. I wanted to start with a little bit of history because Black people have been treated as unworthy since America's inception. So slavery was started before America was officially the United States. And This is an unfortunate and heartbreaking history and legacy that really continues in the country today. So African people were stolen from their homelands and chattel slavery was instituted in the United States. And chattel slavery means that children are born into slavery and it guarantees that slavery is going to continue from generation to generation. There are some other forms of slavery, all of which are awful. I don't know that I have to say that, but they all forms of slavery are awful. And there are some forms of slavery in which people can sort of buy themselves out of slavery or children are not born into slavery. Um, but in America, we had chattel slavery, which meant that The child of a slave was a slave and slaves had no rights. They were treated awfully and they were treated as and considered to be less than human. In fact, that was written into the United States Constitution that African people or descendants of African people were three-fourths human. And I think that designation was only for men, potentially. So, you know, imagine the experience of women. So. Enslaved Black people were, you know, beaten, they were raped, families were torn apart and sold 
without regard for any sort of connection because they weren't seen as human. They weren't seen as being capable of connection. They were treated as property. This was awful and horrific. One of my favorite books is by the late, great Toni Morrison. The book is Beloved. And if you've only seen the movie, you really need to read the book. And the book is, at its core, exposing the horrors of slavery and the attempts of Black people to love each other, their children, in the midst of this horrific environment, horrific context of slavery. And it, it exposes how horrible slavery is because a mother is willing to kill her child so that the child can avoid being enslaved. That's how awful slavery is. I think it's easy to get disconnected from it because it feels so long ago. But the reality is that slavery has been abolished for less time than it was in place. So we have not made it further from slavery than all of the centuries and slavery was, was in place in the United States. So I don't need to recount all of the traumas of slavery. and. What I want you to take away from this is that Black people were told over and over and over again, in large and small ways, that we were not worthy of love, care, and respect, that we weren't worthy of life, that we weren't worthy of health. And despite all of this, Black people built loving relationships. Black people cared for and loved their children, even in the midst of these horrific experiences. Black people cultivated joy and community and celebrated even in the midst of all of this trauma. And that is so inspiring to me, that even in the middle of what I can't even imagine the horrors. I can't even imagine they held on to hope and love and built community. I wish I could say that tra the trauma Black people in the United States experienced ended with slavery. I wish that that was true, but unfortunately, it's not. The racism that you know was established and helped to justify slavery just changed forms after slavery was abolished. And what we call the Jim Crow South is, you know, there were many laws and regulations that restricted the movement of Black people. More than 3,000 Black people were lynched in a period of time that spanned from slavery through the 1960s. The messages that Black people were unworthy, that we didn't deserve respect or justice or care or love rang out loud and clear, right? Separate bathrooms, separate water fountains, separate schools, being lynched, arrested for basic behaviors, normal behaviors, being barred from voting, barred from jobs, separate entrances, uh, not being able to go to restaurants. And so it continued to be a difficult time, being confined to poverty and sharecropping, 
those were the manifestations of racism that communicated to Black people that we were not worthy after slavery. And still today, racism manifests in numerous ways. In the most overt ways, racism looks like police murdering Black people who are walking, running, sleeping, not posing any threat. And, you know, as a Black woman, every time one of these murders happens, I feel it viscerally in my body. This summer of 2020 was particularly intense with the murders of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor that came to light. And it felt like someone was screaming in my face, you do not matter. Your life does not matter. You are not worthy of life and safety and protection. And it felt this way when I learned that these Black people were murdered. And it also felt this way when I learned that there was no justice, that the officers who killed these people were not going to be held accountable. This is why the statement, the assertion that Black Lives Matter is so powerful. Because in so many ways in this country, we have been treated as though we do not matter. And so I'm grateful that the summer of 2020 seemed like there's a shift, right? It seems like people are waking up to the fact that Black lives do matter, that we do deserve protection and care and safety. And so I'm hopeful. And there is still work to do. I'll also say that today there are still some more subtle forms of racism that can look like being passed over for a promotion, not getting an interview for that job that you're overqualified for, people being surprised that you're articulate as a Black person. Um, And as a Black woman, you know, we navigate a lot of stereotypes. People assume we are hypersexual. We're manipulative. We're gaming the system. We're always angry. Sometimes it's just even assuming that we are always strong, that we don't feel pain, that we don't get sick, which can result in not receiving the medical care that we need and deserve, which results in high levels of mortality for Black women who are pregnant or giving birth. And so, you know, the racism manifests in ways that are large and small. And it's something that we still deal with as Black people, which is why Black History Month is so important. And so I imagine that you might be wondering at this point, okay, I thought that this was a podcast that was about unconditional self-worth. Why am I getting a history lesson? Well, I'm sharing this history of racial trauma that Black people have endured So you will understand the power of Black people asserting that we are unconditionally worthy. This is a radical act in the context of this history and racial trauma because there are so many messages that we are not worthy. And so for us to say we are worthy unconditionally is powerful. And we are worthy not because we are respectable or because we've gotten an education, or because we speak proper English. We are worthy not because we are smart or dress well or have accumulated wealth, 
We are worthy not because we are magical, not because of our physical prowess or our intellectual feats. We are worthy because we are human. And when we assert our unconditional self-worth as Black people, we are taking a radical stand against the prevailing messages that Black people are only worthy if we talk right, act right, play right, look right. When we connect to our unconditional self-worth, we are challenging the idea that we need to be perfect and magical to be loved and respected. We are worthy when we fumble and fail. We are worthy when we experience depression and anxiety. We are worthy when we are coping with trauma. We are worthy in the fullness of our humanity. So you may be wondering how to put this self-worth into practice. I believe a powerful way to connect to and honor our unconditional self-worth as Black people is to take good care of ourselves. So often as Black people, we push ourselves to the limit because we feel we have no other choice. We buy into the idea that we always have to be grinding and hustling to be successful and worthy, that we must work three times as hard to be as successful as white people. And while there are certainly inequities, I've described some of them here, and hard work has led to success, overworking ourselves can also increase stress, exhaustion, and physical health issues. And I want us to shift away from the idea that we have to work ourselves into the ground to be worthy as Black people. I've been inspired by the NAP ministry and their reminder to rest and stop buying into the idea that our worth is based on our productivity. You can find them on social media. They're a great profile to follow. When I work with my Black female clients, we often talk about the need for rest. Even though they might be struggling with depression, it rarely looks like not getting out of bed because Black women have been socialized to keep going, to push forward, to make progress, no matter what is going on. And all of this takes a toll. This is why Audre Lorde's assertion that caring for myself is not self-indulgence, it is self-preservation, and that is an act of political warfare is so powerful. As Black people and Black women, taking care of ourselves is a radical act because it directly challenges the messages that we are not worthy of love, care, and respect. It argues against the idea that our bodies and our lives are disposable. When I talk about self-care, I'm not referring to the commercialized, Instagrammable self-care. I'm talking about deep practices of listening to your body and taking care of yourself. Taking care of yourself can look like making sure you get enough sleep. Too often we have trouble taking the time to sleep and rest because as Black women, we feel we need to be tending to someone else. I encourage you to set a bedtime and to create a bedtime routine that allows you to relax and unwind during the evening. And if you have trouble allowing yourself to rest, consider why it's difficult for you to allow yourself to relax and intentionally engage in activities to help you unwind and calm your mind down. 
I think it's important to remember that rest is an essential aspect of being human. That we're not supposed to always be doing, doing, doing. That rest allows us to be, and we deserve that as Black people. Self-care can also look like honoring your body through movement and being mindful of what you eat. Movement doesn't have to look like punishing exercise. It could be doing the wobble in your living room or going for a walk on a beautiful day. It could be engaging in cardio or running, but doing something that feels good for your body, not something that pushes your body to change or be different than it is or is punishing for your body. For me, my favorite forms of exercise look like dancing. So I take dance classes. Now they're virtually, but they're just as invigorating and they feel good and I feel grounded in the movement. So I encourage you to figure out what that looks like for you. Being thoughtful about what you eat does not need to be a restrictive diet that communicates to your body that it's not okay. It can look like increasing green vegetables or other foods that you know deeply nourish your body and maybe staying away from foods that you know leave you feeling kind of sick. Taking care of yourself can be taking time to be still in prayer and meditation, taking time to journal, and generally giving yourself space to be present with your thoughts and feelings without judgment and just attending to yourself with love and care giving yourself the attention you deserve. Self-care can also look like making time to have fun. I know we're in a pandemic right now and fun looks different for most of us than it used to, but find creative ways to have fun, to laugh, to connect with friends and loved ones because joy and fun is also a really important part of taking care of ourselves. If you don't have a consistent practice of taking care of yourself, I encourage you to make that a priority during this Black History Month. Know that affirming your worth and taking care of yourself honors your ancestors and takes advantages of some of the privileges that you have that they did not have. If you're interested in upping your self-care game, I've created a worksheet that will guide you through creating a personalized self-care plan. It will be linked in the show notes and you can download it and get started with creating an intentional plan to take care of yourself today. For Black people, asserting our unconditional self-worth is radical and it honors our ancestors. It pushes back against the messages that we have received throughout history that we are not worthy. And so this Black History Month, my hope is that all Black people connect to a deep knowing that we are worthy unconditionally. And if you're not a Black person and you're listening to this podcast, I hope that you also see and affirm the worth of Black people. Not because we're amazing and magical, we are, but not because of that, because we are human. Sending my love to you all hoping that you take really good care of yourselves. And I'll see you next time on the Unconditionally Worthy podcast. Thanks for joining me this week on the Unconditionally Worthy podcast. Make sure to visit my website, dradiagoodin.com 
and subscribe to the show on iTunes so you'll never miss an episode. You can also follow me on social media at Dr. Adia Gooden. If you love the show, please leave a review on iTunes so we can continue to bring you amazing episodes. Lastly, if you found this episode helpful and know someone who might benefit from hearing it, please share it. Thanks for listening and see you next episode. This episode was produced by Chris and Tiana and the music is by Wadaboy. Boy.